Welcome again to Master Runner. I'm your host, Mike Warren, and um, gosh, I've been a little slack this year. Actually, this is the this is the first episode I'm recording since the beginning of summer. Um, no excuses other than I just got uh, fully immersed in summer and stuff with family and friends, and um, and then toward the end of the summer, I was training a lot and doing some races in preparation for um, what was my A race for the for the year, which was the Rim to River 100 in New River Gorge, West Virginia, which took place um, uh, the beginning of November. So I am very, very excited to be back here and uh, fully uh, engaged with Master Runner and uh, excited to bring you yet another um, very exciting interview from an amazing person. So today you're going to hear from Patrick Durant and funny story with Patrick is, um, we have over the past year met up so many times at so many races. And, um, I also found out that the first ultra I ran, which was just about a year and a half ago, um, we were at that race together too and finished right, uh, virtually a minute from each other. So since my start with my, uh, 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 career in ultra running, I, uh, I seem to bump into this guy all the time. And so we spent a lot of time on the trail, a bunch of hours together, a lot of miles. And, um, and most recently with Rim to River 100, uh, we spent a while together on the trail and, um, I don't remember at what point it was during the race. I think it was during a, uh, I guess, physically a more unpleasant uh, portion of the, the the race toward the end. But we also spent some some time during the uh, the middle of the race together, just talking, catching up, and and talking about life. And um, to me, the biggest thing about uh, trail running and ultra running and just the community as a whole is that you end up um, really knowing people and um, and and learning about their stories, um, the, you know, what makes them get up and lace up every day, um, why they do what they do and how they, uh, landed, uh, where they are. And for me, it's always been one of those things. I think, I think the podcast out there that, and I listen to all of them, by the way, that talk about the, what, you know, what do you, what do you eat? What do you wear? What socks do you wear? What shoes do you wear? What do you eat at mile 80? uh, what hydration pack to use. I think they're all great. But for me, um, I've always been more curious about the why. Um, and I think part of that is because I, um, I have a strong why. And so I'm always curious, um, about, uh, other people's why and, uh, how they, um, uh, have gotten where they are. So with, um, Patrick, uh, we had a fun time talking about, all different uh, types of stuff, and um, and uh, you'll learn through his story the power of um, parents' actions on the, on their kids, and um, in you know as, as much as you may not realize it, sometimes our um, our kids are watching us, and they're paying attention to what we do and what we don't do, and um, with me, you know, as a kid, it was more of a case of. Um, what not to do, uh, and ultimately led me down the path of, um, you know, becoming or trying to become the dad I always wanted. Um, 
Patrick, now with his own family, has had uh, a very different experience with his dad, which is really neat to hear. Um, his dad's love of running uh, not only planted the seed for Patrick's um, own running career, but also taught him a lot about work ethic and uh, how to commit and connect the lessons uh, in running to daily life. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. And without any further ado, here is Mr. Patrick Durant. Patrick, what's going on, my friend? How's it going? Um, well, I'm next to a, a little space heater. And uh, I tell you, today, at least in, you're in, Mar well, where are you, Maryland or Virginia? Uh, I'm, so I'm right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, okay, so you're getting... We had a burst of cold air today and I went out running this morning and it was it was raining, but it was nice. It was like in the upper 40s, near 50, like that perfect weather. Mm -hmm. And then all day, it's like the winds have kicked up and I feel like the temperatures drop by another, you know, 20 degrees. And now it's back to being depressing and miserable, you know. Well, are you a winter runner? Like, do you brave the like? Yeah, what's your I'll limit? go out. Hey, look, I got, I got the uh, the ice gear in my. I got the little spikes that you throw over your shoes. I got it okay. in the trunk at all times. I got the little snorkel mask. It looks like a snorkel mask or like a um, a scuba diver mask that goes over your head and a part that covers so you look like a ninja goes yeah, over your like face. A burka? Not burka. Um, I don't know, but it's yeah. I know. It's, I know. You see me out there running with it. It looks yeah. like I'm a ninja. Um, yeah, I'll go out in almost everything. I, I, um, but I, yeah, these winters that at least the older I get, the more I feel like they just drag on. And, yeah. and, uh, I'm a bigger fan of spring. Uh, I like summer. I love fall and I can't really tolerate winter very long. So winter oh, yeah. for me. Wait, but it's a babaclava, I think, is the thing that goes over where it's like, I always said burka, but that's, <laughs> it's that's like the, where it looks like a ninja. Yeah. Yeah, it's hideous. It's really hideous, but it gets the job done. And I got my hand warmers in the trunk. So, you know, I, I should be ready to go whenever it gets really stupid cold. Thanks for joining me today, my friend. It's sure. really, I'm really excited that we're doing this. Um, hey, dude, is, that a, is that a Rim to River uh, hoodie? Yes, I knew it. I saw. Okay. Yeah. Right. So for those who can't see the video, it is, I am, I am wearing a, a Rim to River um, hoodie. Um, Patrick and I just finished that race. I guess we're coming up on three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And a uh, little funny backstory is, and I don't know if you even know this, is, this is interesting. So you've been at this a long time, right? I, mm -hmm. I looked ultra sign up has only 100% accurate information. And according to ultra sign up, I think you started back in 2011, right? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I started much later. I started in June of my first ultra was June of 21 last year. My first race, this is where it gets kind of creepy. And you're going to think like one of us is stalking the other. My first race was um, the Blues Cruise and, oh no, sorry, the uh, first state trail race in, Del in Delaware. Okay right the 50k yeah yeah um the one that's a mess because they start the 10k 25k and 50k all at the same time and you're it's yeah. just it's messy but anyway i looked on ultra sign up the craziest thing is that race which i didn't even meet you at that race that race you finished in five uh hours 20 minutes 32 seconds i finished in 5 21 26 you were 16 i was 17 we were literally right behind each other wow and i don't think we said a word to each other but 
here we are like no 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 i think i might have said to you isn't this like did we briefly say like th is this your first ultra or something like that yeah we and might we have like, i don't side by side we could i'm sure we did if we were that close i'm sure i wore deodorant yeah. that day too so i'm oh, sure okay. <laughs> you know i said some but it, it's funny with with um with you patrick is that we keep bumping into each other at these races yes. and we've especially at rim to river and i think the hat we talked the hat yes. gets paid yes. over the summer we talked a fair bit earlier this year and so i think one of the neatest aspects for me only having been at this in the ultra world at least for a year and a half is just the the camaraderie and and the you know sharing some miles and hours with with what ends up becoming friends like you and mm -hmm. and it's really neat and part of the motivation behind starting this whole podcast was just that I end up getting so deep with with certain people and you you understand that most of the most of us that are out there have some type of backstory um could be you know something that we tend to you know in my case I mean I've said it before you know I my childhood wasn't perfect my dad was far from perfect and so there's always been a lot of things that I feel like even when I'm 80 years old I'll still be dealing with and running is kind of that I think in a lot of ways, that mechanism, that place that I go to when I need to, you know, mentally sort things out. And so whenever I'm out on the trail or at these races, it's so neat because you do a deep dive with sometimes total strangers mm -hmm. and you realize like you're not the only one with a story that everybody around you has some type of story. They didn't just wake up one day and look an ultra sign up and say, yeah, this looks really cool. I think I'm going to sign up for this 50 mile or this looks great. So there's some story. And so the idea behind it, and why I'm so glad you're doing this is that I just wanted to bring those stories to life and kind of, you know, uh, bring those stories to the surface, kind of the why behind a lot of um, amazing athletes like yourself. And so well, if you want to speak about the the hat 50K, if that's actually where we first so we first talked and you actually mentioned your father then. And yeah. I also have a father connection with running. We'll get into that. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> it was funny when you told me that you were heading to Rim to River at the end of the year and I was running with you, I was already thinking in my head, <laughs> I'm going to run with this guy probably at Rim to River too, because like, <laughs> it's such a small community. You see yeah. the same faces over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, I have no pacers. You know, I, I knew I didn't have one for the one race I had coming up and, and Rim to River. I was yeah. like, I bet I'll run some miles with him. And, uh, you know, yeah. and sure enough. Yeah. We well, are. the other the other thing that you did for the hat, the hat 50K um, is that we both, I think, as you were filming. So so everybody listening. So Patrick, at least uh, the, a couple times, I don't know if you do it every time. It, it was a relatively new thing. You started filming these races with your GoPro. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you have on camera that I think is somewhere on YouTube is probably me because i think you were just behind me at the hat actually cutting the course when we were crossing this creek <laughs> that we went the wrong way and we were being called out by one of the volunteers like no you gotta go around this way and we're like we're soaking wet we're like what does it matter you know yeah. so i think we both cut the course together uh on that day so it's funny the hat 50k if you go to their website and click like runners scroll down the video's right there they put Are it you up serious on, yeah they put it up on their page as an advertisement for the race so does it have, is it a video of you cutting the course or video? No, it's, it's the whole YouTube. It's just the YouTube <laughs> clip. <laughs> You're just in there. Yeah. So they didn't catch it. They didn't uh, like it. Yeah. So, so what I wanted to do today um, is, you know, there's always some type of story behind it. There's always some type of story as to why we start. 
um, you know, and I have a story, you have a story and everybody that we're on the trails with has a story. So I want to get your story today. So sure. being that you started in 2011 uh, with, I think your first race was oddly enough, the blues cruise 50 K, right. Which I think mm -hmm. you've done religiously every single year since then. Nine years I have to next year will be number 10. How many oars do you have? That's it. Oh, come <laughs> just on. The, just the one. I don't know if you saw the video. I, I, I actually, at the end of the video that I shot for that one, I said, it took me nine years. It took nine years to get one of these. And I've placed like, I've run a 430, a 434. I've run fast times in that race, but it just was never good enough. Yeah. And the guy at the end, he says, getting older helps. And I had just, uh, well, was it, it was the first time being 41, I guess, running it. And he said, yeah, getting older helps in these things. And if you're, if you're still performing well, when you're a little bit older, I guess you have a better chance of getting an age group award. It's getting harder now for me. Cause I am like, like I told you before, I'm 48. And so like next year is going to be really tough. And I felt like at that race blues cruise last or this past year or in October, I thought that was a really, they had a bunch of really fast runners. Like I had to work really, really hard this year. And, um, and I know I've got one more year and I've got my work cut out. And then thankfully I'll graduate to the grandmaster <laughs> status at 50 and oh, I'll be man. the youngin. So, you know, like I, I'm kind of in a weird way looking forward to that, but, um, mm. but yeah, so walk me through. So somebody like you, you've done, you know, 40 some races since 2011. Um, I mm. want to get to what made you do the transition into ultras, but I wanted to go beyond that. Cause I'm really curious I was allergic to running in high school. I wanted nothing to do with it. We had to do that whole presidential fitness test, which I thought mm -hmm. was miserable because my PE teacher said nothing about pacing. He was like, go. And after the first lap, I wanted to throw up. And then I had three more to do. And I was like, the only way I'm going to run in life is if there's like a rabid animal chasing me and I wanted nothing to do with it. And it took me out of high school another 20 years before I officially got into to running. So What's your backstory? Uh, Were you wait, like a crack I, stud in high school or what? Well, I can give a high school story. I had something similar. Um, I think my reason's even dumber for why I signed up for um, track and then why I dropped out of it, why I pulled out. I signed up. I think I did like one or two meets and we did some laps. I was like, it was kind of tough. And, and then he said, all right, everybody, I need uh, physicals from your doctors. So you're, you know, given the okay to run. And uh, for some reason, you know, I'm in high school, someone had told me like, oh, well, when you get a physical book from a doctor, like, do you, you know, they like, you have to get fully naked in front of them and, and they have to <laughs> like, you know, they, they have to do all this stuff to like, check you out. And like being a typical like teenager, I was like, oh, no way I'm out. I'm not, no, no, I'm good. I'm not going to do it. And uh, I actually, once he said that I never went back because I, I actually did not want to get a physical from a doctor. And I had this total misconception about like what they were going to do in a physical, like they were going oh. to get physical with me. I, I don't know. It was, it was so stupid. And, uh, I regret, oh. I do regret that because, um, I went all through high school and then I didn't find running again until it was probably like start of a maybe second year in college, but I did not run for my college. I went to temple. Um, I just picked it up then uh, started with, um, a 5k. There was a, if you're familiar with Philadelphia and Boathouse Row, there was this 5k race that was right on Kelly drive, right near the art museum. And it, and it was, um, it was called the out and back. 
I did that race. I, I started to like it. I, I think I did it with my father. He, he ran it too, ran it together, um, progressed from five K's to then a few 10 K's, then the Philadelphia half marathon. I did that a few years. Um, then my dad and I, we both, um, signed up for the marathon, Philly marathon, uh, did that for a bit. Uh, I think that Philly marathon might've been in 2008 or 2009. And then, um, it was, I, I kind of didn't, I didn't go any further than that. I started working with someone who was doing triathlons and the idea of the triathlon like intrigued me. So I was like, okay, I don't know how to swim that well. So joined a pool, learned to swim, got a bike, um, got better on the bike, uh, got better at swimming, signed up for my first sprint triathlon. Um, I had kids and then it became difficult to find time to get in the pool, uh, get on the bike, <laughs> do those type of workouts. Yeah. And there was this slow transition to I, trail running started to get introduced. Um, I was mountain biking on trails, but for some reason I never thought, well, why don't I just go run on them instead? Mm. And it then clicked at one point, I just started running on the trails instead of biking them. I got off the roads. I noticed that I was getting injured less. Um, I didn't know if it was a change in surface or just something different. I was getting less of these, like just overuse injuries. Um, I, I think it was like, the, I, for me, it was, I thought it was the softer surface. I just think it was the change in terrain. And it, that was it. It was like, I got in my foot in with trail running and that's when there, there started to be like kind of a change. So when, so when did the, uh, to quote you, the kids thing happen? What, when, when did you become a dad? Uh, my daughter just, she's 10 now. Um, so she was born in 2012. Um, so yeah, that was, that was when it kind of started and, but see that then my first ultra was in 2011. So like I, yeah, there was definitely some shift of like, yeah. I had kids and then just, it was simpler to go for a trail run because I remember when she was young, my wife would be putting her down and then I'd be heading at out at night and I would head to this trail that was near the house that we lived in, not too far. So she put the kid down and then I would head out, hit the trails and be running in the dark and I'd come back and that worked for a while. And then they got older. I had a second child and I started having to get up a lot earlier. Um, I had to get on the trails at, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, then it started to have to get on the trails at 4 a.m. And I worked in Philadelphia, so I would run from where I was at, right outside in the suburbs of uh, suburbs outside of Philadelphia. I would actually run to work um, through this uh, path called Forbidden Drive. So Forbidden Drive was like a it was almost like a, a highway before there were highways that horses would take. And it goes all the way to the city out from the suburbs. Mm. So, and that's actually where the Wissahickon is and the, the big trail system that is inside of uh, Philadelphia. Okay. So I started to run the trails to work and it was 20 miles. And that was the start of it. I started, I would wake up early, like three 30 in the morning, head down to where the train station was. I would run all the way to work, 20 miles to work, shower at work. And then I would take the train back. And I started building mileage and spending more time running trails. And it, there was this transition right there. It was just, I was commuting to work. I was doing a run commute. And uh, that's where it kind of like kind of flipped the switch for me. I was like, okay, I can, I can do a marathon, almost a marathon distance. And uh, I was like, well, maybe where, 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 how much more could I take this? And then I, I found out there was 
I first did this uh, half marathon trail run and then I found out about Blue Spruce. It was like, that was the the entry point into uh, First Ultra. Was there something that you found? Because I'm always interested in the mental aspect. Like I, I'm, I'm one of the, I, I feel like I'm one of the few trail runners out here. It's a lonely place being a trail runner out here, but it doesn't bother me at all. But I feel like, um, and it's hard to describe to a lot of people, but I, I feel like the benefit that I found mentally in running trails is that, at least from my perspective, you don't have any time to um, to necessarily think about stuff. Like you're so focused. If you really want to tune out the outside world, trail running is great because you're focused on where your next five steps are going to be and where that route is and where that rock looks a little unstable and I got to cross this creek there. That if you really want to just disconnect your brain as much as possible from the outside world and just figure things out and only be focused on, you know, where and not, I guess, rolling your ankle or getting injured and stuff like that. I always felt like, at least for me, it's been more therapeutic in trail running versus going out on the shoulder of, of roads and stuff like that, which is, and, and that baffles me too, where we live, there's like no, there's like a two inch shoulder. And I see people every morning when I'm, you know, I'm driving to the trail or whatever, that they're on that shoulder and I've seen so many, you know, kids on their phones and like, and it, mm-hmm. it scares and I know they have their lights on and all that. And it, but I'm like, why take the risk? There's like, there's, oh, a, yeah. there's a trail right down the road. Like just go there. <laughs> you know? Well, you just jogged a very important, uh, uh, something else that happened is I was training for a triathlon and I was actually struck by a car. <laughs> really? Forgot to mention this. Yes. So I was out on my bike and uh, got hit by the car. And that was a big changing point for me because I then realized that there's people out on the road that aren't paying attention. I was not at fault, uh, you know, but I ended up in the hospital for nine days. And I actually had a pretty, yeah, I had a serious infection uh, that stemmed from that, that they said I had a 20% chance that it could have killed, it kills 20% of the people that get it. I had staph infection. It was something develops deep in my chest. And I had to have a, a, a pick line in my arm and I had to be uh, on antibiotics that I injected every few hours after I got out of the hospital. So when that happened, I had a complete shift and I never wanted to really be on the road again, uh, like with either a bike or really even running, uh, you know, about what you said. It's I think is a really big, big point about people aren't paying attention. You got less people like they're looking down at their phones. I see it all the time. And yeah, it's it's a huge issue that's crazy that, you know, that's something I learned about you. We didn't cover that last time I was no. out with you. No, um, I, <laughs> that's, you know, and, and I guess all it takes is one moment like that, where you have this kind of like you're flirting with death and you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. No mas, you know? Oh yeah. But then to get back to your second point, you said about being in nature And I think there's like, it's statistically proven, like one of the most like uh, stress reducing things that you can do is actually spend time in nature. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I definitely noticed a difference in, I was a huge road runner. Like I did all the five Ks, all the road races, but there was something completely different when I just went out and spent time in nature, in the woods, completely alone with my thoughts and just being out there. And it, I, I mean, I mean, I'll say that I, I suffered from when I was younger, like some depression. And when I got into physical activity and physical fitness, I started to notice that like, you know, your body's changing, you're, you're getting better self-image, 
you start to feel better about yourself. And all that started kind of happening when I started putting more time into, you know, uh, getting in shape, getting out, working out and just, yeah, being in nature. Well, and I think too, that I've, I've tried to, and it doesn't have to be running for him, but my son, you know, Braden, he's, he's 12, he's soon to be 13, uh, which is interesting uh, on a lot of fronts. But, um, but anyway, I, you know, I've tried to, um, he's an amazing kid. And um, I feel like I'm the luckiest dad in the world. Um, but I know you could say the same thing. But like, mm-hmm. I've tried to tell him that, because he he knows, like, you know, obviously, I do these races, and I run and 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 most mornings when he gets up, you know, I, I leave my note, and I'm, you know, daddy's down on the trail. And my wife has been great throughout my life and I don't know what I would do without her. And she mm-hmm. enables me to do these things and all that. But I've told him that ever since I was like, I started lifting weights when I was a kid in, in the eighties, like I, everybody wanted to be big, like, you know, like Hulk Hogan or any of the other wrestlers. And so initially it was like, you know, cause I was one of those lanky curly haired kids with buck teeth and I got picked on a lot and I was bullied and I needed to find some out. And my out was if I could work out and build my muscles, which obviously didn't work because I, <laughs> I am still lanky, but like, if I could look like that guy on television who beats up all the bad guys, there's hope. And so I, I started to find when my mom got me my first uh, sand filled weight set when I was in sixth grade in 86 and I had chicken pox and she felt bad for me. And I begged her if she can get me this, this sand filled weight set. That's what started everything. And it, it started to be my place where if everything was kind of rough on the outside, I could come to that place. And at the time it was just, there was no running. It was just lifting weights and act thinking that I was this massive beast of a kid, which, which was delusional at best. But in my mind, it was where I could kind of go and it was my safe place. And so I've told my son now, I said, look, you know, cause I run with them whenever I can and try to get them out. And I, I helped this past season um, coach his cross country team, which was just magical to see kids and and have them develop and be proud of themselves and see their journey. But I try to tell them now, like, just have a place. It, it, the place could be running. The place mm-hmm. could be like, I like journaling. I write a lot. I write my thoughts down. I, I do a bunch of like stuff like that. And I said, just have a place that you can go to, whether it's exercise or whatever, that can just be your bubble where you shut out the outside world. It's your own personal private space and never lose sight of that. But oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I don't, I, I would think your kids now start to realize, and I don't know if you started to like convey this as best you can, because again, like my son's 12, there's only, so it, I can't go super deep with them, but oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. just have, have your, have your place, your happy place that you can go to, to sort things out. You well, know? you want, you want something that they do that inspires confidence. And I mean, I think that organized sports are definitely a way uh, and activities like running are uh, depending on your personality. Some people like a team environment and some people like a solo activity where it's just on you. And all my kids swim. Um, my oldest daughter is definitely like, she's taken to swimming, really enjoys it. My son, um, he has taken to run. He, he likes running. I signed them all up for there's this series. And I might've said this when we were running together, it's called the healthy kids running series. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a running series that happens all across the U S And it basically, it can go from as young as I think three years old, all the way up. I don't know what the max age is, but it's pretty, I mean, I think it's this grade school Hmm. and they have distances from 75, uh, 75 yard dash all the way up to the mile. Hmm. So all three of the kids did the healthy kids running series this year. 
and they enjoyed it. They had fun with it. I never put pressure on it to about like, oh, you got to like, you got to beat this time or anything like that. Yeah. I, I've seen from when other sports, when I make it too much pressure about trying to like achieve something like with swimming or something like that, like they're trying to either get out of this one lane to graduate to the next lane or when I try and put pressure on it, they just, it just backfires. And I just make it all about having fun, all about like no pressure. It's just, just enjoy it. Like if you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? Yeah, that's it. I think it's hard too, especially, you know, cause I, I'm the same way and you go now his thing is, is kind of, you know, he does track and cross country and basketball, mm -hmm. but back when he was experimenting with sports like soccer and baseball and stuff like that, some of the pressure that I think, well, the parents put on the kids, which I think comes from maybe their own inadequacies and, and mm -hmm. maybe wishing that they had achieved certain things. And so, or maybe they did achieve great things and they're putting the same pressure on their, their own kids. I think, um, you know, and you can see it the way, you know, a lot of parents, you know, will scream at their kids at these games and the things they say, and it's just really awful stuff. And it takes all the fun out of it. And I feel like that was the whole beauty of being a kid is that, mm -hmm. I mean, we did things that were fun. Right. And yeah. so I feel oh, like yeah. nowadays, the pressure that's put on these kids and 99.9997% of them are not going to be professional athletes, no oh, matter no. what the parents think. So it has to be a fun thing. And I think that to your point about the individual stuff versus the, the team stuff, I think at least my son is kind of gravitating toward the individual stuff and has been doing more of that because he knows that it's him against him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have necessarily other parents yelling at him or other teammates saying, wow, why'd you pass the ball like that? And it's, it's him against him. And he it's, you know, can he beat himself the last time he was out on the track or, you know, you, you actually told a very good story in when we were running in Rim to River about the coaching and how he had tripped, uh, he tripped and fell in a race and he's still like, he was all bloody, but he still got back up and finished the race. And then yeah. I think the two of you went back to the route or, or what that tripped him. And he like, you know, even found where he went down. Right. Like, didn't you guys run? Yeah. Like, and it, you're scaring me to death because I wish I had your memory. That's that, you know, it's, I, I'm so jealous of you and I hate you too. Cause your memory is that good. <laughs> um, especially doing a hundred mile or that you're, that your memory is that sharp. Yeah. Like for me, like it, it was so funny. Cause like he did when he came back with that, he ran the three K distance. And so when he, when he, came he's really trying to push for a pr with this course uh -huh. and he came back maybe a little slower than we thought but it was still a good good time good effort and when he crossed he just like nonchalantly was like yeah i took a bad fall and i looked at his palms and i looked at his knees and they were all dirty and his, his like left knee was bleeding and i'm like dude what happened he said i fell and right like that will always be my favorite race of his because and i told him this and i think he gets it like he fell. He could have just said, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But he got back up and kept running and he kept pushing. And yeah, we went back there two weeks after that and we found the route that he tripped on. Yeah. And I said, you thank that route right now because that route <laughs> taught, taught you a very valuable lesson. Like, I just think things like that, it's more about there's so much more than winning or, or losing. It's like little things like that, that are really like life lessons in a nutshell yeah. that just mean more than anything else you know that's a huge thing to, to your you know he 
fell down, but still got back up again. And that is the hardest thing that is like almost impossible to teach is like when you suffer adversity and you're still able to like get back up, dust yourself off and keep pushing. That's yeah. kind of like what hundreds are about. Like, I think that's the hardest thing about them is that it throws so much stuff at you that once, and you want to stop like so many times, yeah. but it's that same thing. You're just brushing yourself off and saying, okay, like, let's go again. And you, and yeah. you just keep pushing, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what draws me to them. I still can't believe you remember that. Uh, um, yeah, my memory is more fuzzy from that race. Anyway, um, not with the conversations you and I had, I remember all those, but at, at a certain <laughs> point, my brain was getting very fuzzy. Um, so let me ask you too, because we we had um, one thing that we were talking about toward the end of the Rim to River 100 was that, so there were two buckles at this. And unfortunately, I didn't mm. sub 24. it. I think you and I were on the same path. And I was really, yeah. I think uh, I think I was 24, 31 or 32. I was really, I saw, yeah. but I couldn't, I just didn't have it in me. And um, I wanted that, that gold buckle. I thought it was pretty, but you mentioned to me that your dad was there with you. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he said, I think during your packet pickup was that he really liked the other metal or the other buckle instead, the non-gold sub 24 yes. buckle. And Correct. that you, you were like, I got it made. Cause like, I'm going to get <laughs> my dad, you know, and you were going to, and I don't know if you did, but you said you were going to give the buckle to your dad. Correct. Yeah. And you were kind of happy in a weird way about getting that buckle because that's what your dad wanted. And so in another way, like if you had sub 24 it, you would have gone to dad and say, Hey dad, look, sorry, I, sorry, I let you down, but I got you the gold one. I, you know, so you did, you delivered, you know? Well, you know, part of my brain was going through different scenarios and I was like, okay, if I sub 24, I'm sure I could go to the race director and say, Hey, do you mind if I swap to the smaller buckle? Because I'm giving this to my dad. And he would he be like, what? <laughs> and he thinks your larger buckle is very gaudy. And, you know, he wants the pewter color, whatever he called it, like buckle. He said, and I'm, then I'm like, wait a minute, this is crazy. Like I, I started to slow down anyway. And like, I started to have uh, some foot pain because I made kind of like a rookie mistake. I wasn't taking proper foot care. And part of me was like, part of me is like, it's way impossible to get that. Like, I, I think, I, yeah, I was, I was an hour off and I was yeah. like, no way it's going to happen. And I'm like, and I know my dad doesn't even want that one. So like, Part of me, yes, you, you absolutely. It was saying right on my shoulder. It was saying, "Don't even worry about it. Your 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 dad doesn't yeah. even want that buckle. You you're doing this entire race just to give him the buckle." Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That was the whole way so, it played out. And I want to ask you too, because you mentioned earlier when you started running, you you did certain races with your father. You did the 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 half marathon. I think you mentioned. Did you do the Philly marathon with your dad too, or just the I half? did the Philly. Yeah. So the his one and only marathon that he did was the Philly marathon. Okay. And to I don't know if this played a part, but like something he did in my childhood is like I remember him coming home from work and just just to mention this, he'd come in from work, drop his bags, get changed into running gear, and then we would go down to there was a local track that was near the stadiums where the Phillies and the Eagles played. And he would just run loops and I would go play in the sand pit. Like, you know, the long jump sand pit. Yes. Like, so I would go over there or I'd be running up and down the bleachers. I'd just be running around there. So I was, I don't know if that played an effect that had some effect in my like going into running, but 
I do remember that from my my childhood is like having to watch him run loops around a track while, you know, every day, like after work. So that's this is what I wanted to dig into with you, because that stuff like that is more impactful than I think he probably realized at the time. And certainly you did at the time that, you know, looking back, you saw your dad come home from work, drop his drop, you know, basically go into a Superman costume. Mm-hmm. take his bag go to the track and so was that was that something even if it was subconscious with you that like you saw your dad do this as a kid so you wanted to yeah. kind of go through the same motions or well i think i do think that whatever the parents deem important the child does too and like they might not do it right away it might not be like you know in their childhood but at some point in their life like whatever your parents are paying attention to or making like a priority in their life, your kids may or may not pick that up depending on the relationship. Like if you have a very adversarial relationship with your parents, you might go the opposite way and do nothing that they do. Mm. But I mean, with my parents, it's always been a very good relationship. So like, you know, yeah, it just seemed like it made sense. And not only that, he also took me to the Wissahickon where there were trails and he would just go off and run. And, and he, we had like a little small Yorkie dog. Remember him giving me the dog and just say, here, just go walk up on the trails and just, you can go and we'll meet back here. Something I probably would never do with my kids, like just let them go off into the woods to roam. Mm-hmm. But it was another thing, I think that setting the stage for what's happening now, you know, what my, my parents had done when, you know, in, in my youth. Now, was your mom athletic or was she a runner at all or did she impact you in a similar way or (laughs) this Uh is funny well no she wasn't so but but then she switched so I think we were actually talking about this like a few months ago and I said because my mom ended up getting into doing Broad Street Broad Street is a, a very popular it's the it's known as like I think it's the largest 10 miler race in the nation over 40,000 people go down Broad Street filled you know right through Philadelphia Mm -hmm. um so my dad and I, we were doing it year after year. And then one year, my mom wanted to get into it. I think my dad made some offhand comment to my mom that, you know, she's starting to get a little flappy, you know. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you said what to her? Yeah, I just told her that she's starting to get a little flabby. Oh. And uh, I think that, you know, I guess it sparked a you know motivation in her to start working out, start running, getting into physical fitness. And uh, it's continued to this day. So we We've all done Broad Street. Even my brother then picked it up. And we've all done Broad Street as a family, uh, you know, over the years. I My dad has, you know, t- over 25 plus Broad Street runs. I'll be running Broad Street for the 20th year this year, if you count the virtual one. Mm. Um, and my brother has like maybe four or five of them. And my mom maybe has like nine of them. So, yeah, like we've all done this one race year after year after we all kind of got into it. How long was it before your dad could get into the same bed uh, after using the flappy <laughs> comment? Yeah. A year and a half or? That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on like, they have a, a, I guess a good relationship and I guess he was able to get away with that. But uh, yeah, I could not imagine saying that to my significant other. <laughs> so this was really, I mean, kind of a, it's become quite the family affair. I mean, it sounds like you were, whether you realize it or not, at a very young age, kind of influenced slash inspired by, because by your father. And and the thing that I tell my wife all the time, Mamie, is that like, you know, because I had had a different experience with my dad. My dad was not a great person and everything. So 
but I, I told her that um, he is a great person now. We're great. He's almost 80. We're cool. He was, mm -hmm. he was actually, when I ran the uh, cabin fever earlier this year, done at, at the same course that the, in uh, New River Gorge, he was there at the finish line and it was good to finally do something athletic with dad at the finish line. And it was really, really cool. So we're cool now, but like growing up, it wasn't so cool. And so like, it's neat that, you know, I used it as kind of my escape working out and then that led to running and everything. And it became where I processed my thoughts and where I got to work things out and where I just got to come off the grid. But for you, it's kind of like this, it's turned into this really, really cool kind of family thing mm -hmm. that you all share. And I did, I just think that's so amazing that, especially now at 41, cause you're 41, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's why I had to have you on this net. Like you're a newly minted master runner. Um, True. but like, it has to be so neat with you and your dad because, you know, in, in so many ways, like whether you're 41 or 51 or 61, your dad is always going to be your dad. And you're always going to be that kid that's just inspired by your dad and also trying to make your dad proud. Like that connection. And I've explained to my wife that father son connection is some strange wiring that I just can't yeah. explain. It's some magical thing that you know happens between father and son well you, know? you have you have a child like did you ever see like dad look at me look at me like you know i just like made this drawing dad look what i made dad look what i did that like it doesn't ever stop yeah, <laughs> isn't I that know. like kind of what is going on here and like i mean he it ended up he's now helped me complete six hundred mile races he's gone with me to every one of them and been at the at the finish line and I was, you know, extremely grateful for his support. Not to mention there's, there's a whole host of other people making me even get there. There's my wife, there's, there's my in-laws, there's, you know, there's lots of people behind the scenes that, that any person that's doing something great has an army of people behind them kind of propping them up and, and helping them out. So he's just on the front lines, right at the, at the race, but there's still others that are, that are right there, you know, behind him. So I don't want to like discount them. I, I would give them all buckles, but. But <laughs> 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 here's like Oprah here, instead of you get a car, you get a car, you get yeah. a buckle, you get a buckle, you get a buckle. People are like, uh, what am I going to do with this thing? I guess, what, what is this for, even for? <laughs> Do you see yourself now as a, uh, what I know is an amazing father? Do you see, I mean, what is it now having your own children and knowing that they're watching you and being influenced by you the same that you were when you were a kid by your own father? Are you more cognizant? Does it make you, let me ask it a different way. Does it make you stick to the plan even more does it make you try to do even do things that maybe normally you wouldn't want to do or challenge yourself in different ways because you know that at the end of the day you're a father and your kids are watching dad's every move and it, you know what i mean does it does it inspire you even more having these extra sets of eyes that are all looking at dad and watching dad doing the superhero stuff well i am so part of the reason why I like making the videos is I do show the kids the videos because they get to see like what it's like through my eyes. There's, it, it's very intentional that the, the videos that I shoot that probably not many people see, but they're shot with a first person perspective because I don't want to put the camera on me at, that much to really take it away from the attention of what the race is about, the support crews, the people that helped get you there. 
I mean, I'm trying to, I wish I could show it better. I wish I could do this. Like, you know, I wish this was my job to just like <laughs> make these videos that show what trail running, uh, what it can be like the community behind it and the stories behind it. Kind of what you're showing. It's like, there's stories there and there's, there's a whole community there and a community yeah. is a, is a big part of it. I've, I have made so many friends from running and I've just had so many amazing experiences from running and that's kind of what I want them to see. That's what I want them to take away from it. And, but it doesn't have to be running. It can be swimming. It can be, you know, badminton. It can be ping pong. It doesn't matter. There's a community out there for everybody. You don't have another big concept that I've this year. I, this it was in this book I read. It was the, um, it was the idea of, I don't mind what happens. And like, I keep saying this to myself. So like, you're talking about like, well, what your kids do, or will they pick it up or and I always say to myself, like, I'm going to do my dance. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do. And I'm just going to like create what I create and do, and do all the things that I do. And if, if they profit from it, if they like running and they go to it, good for them. If they don't, I don't care because like, I can't control them. I can only control two things. Like my thoughts, my actions, that is all I'm going to focus on. And if they want to be a part of this world, they can, and I'll help them just like my dad helped me. But that that's as much as I think I have control of it. I think your kids are just, they're going to do their own thing. And how much can you steer them? You can't, it's just, it's all chance. Yeah. And as a parent, I think that's what you want, right? You don't want them, at least, you know, you don't want them to necessarily take, I think it's selfish to want your kids to take the exact same path that, oh, yeah. that you do. And, and I, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I just hope that whatever he sees is setting maybe some type of, I don't know, example, work ethic, something that he can just one day see like, oh, daddy, that was really into running. I remember him doing all these races and half the time, you know, he was getting up at like 4.35 in the morning. He's doing all this stuff and all that. And I'm not really into running, but maybe he can, you know, apply it or he may not get into running, but he can apply it in a different aspect of his life. And I guess that's the hope that he can just learn to hopefully find something that he's passionate about. And yeah. like I said before, maybe find that one place that's his, that's unique to him, that, that he can thrive in. And it doesn't matter to me if he wants to collect butterflies. It doesn't matter to me if he wants to journal for an hour every morning or go run ultras, or it's just kind of that, that stance that you want him to have a place to go to. So, like I said before, so I think what you're doing is, is the way that you were inspired by your dad. I think you're doing the same thing with, with your kids. And I think it's a great example to to set. And then I think it one day down the road, maybe when you run, I are in our eighties, you know, your kids will be out there doing their own thing and inspiring the next generation, like, like people like you are. So, you know, well, you bring up an interesting point. Like, so you talk about the disconnected relationship that you had with your father. So what makes you want to be, is it the idea that you want to be a better father than your father was to you? That makes you kind of. Yeah. Wow. I I always wanted. Yeah. I guess in a weird way, I, I wanted to be the dad and I hope that I am the dad that I always wanted the dad that, you know, when, when I went to my dad, it was always why he couldn't do something. You want to go out and play catch. You want to do this. And now nah, I can't, I'll get around to it. And, you know, like I said before, he wasn't, there was a lot of other stuff there that he just wasn't great growing up. And, mm. um, so I wanted to be kind of that superhero dad that 
I wanted so badly as a kid, like I would have given anything. And I felt like when I was younger, I felt like I was bullied by the outside world, the bullies in the neighborhood. And then I came home to a bully. So I needed to escape all that. And so like now with my dad, like COVID was great because I finally reached a, a place of peace with my dad. And it was always something that I struggled to find. And I just gave up on, I didn't talk to him for close to a decade. And, um, COVID hit and a, a lot of other circumstances. And now I have this great relationship and has boundaries to it. But um, we have, you know, a great relationship in the sense that it's only focused on us. And it's about talking about the good times that we had, because we did have a lot of good times and more importantly, creating new ones. And so like when he hmm. was down and I also with the running too, and I don't, we're probably seeing this differently, which is fine. But like, the running to me, like I always felt like, and I did martial arts when I was a kid, I didn't explain to you, but like, it was something that nobody could take away from me. Like even now as an adult, I look at the investment in physical exercise, you in, in physical health, you can't buy that. It's earned. You have to put in the time and the work and the, the you have to have the grit and the determination to do all this. And nobody can take that away from me. So like when I was a kid and even now as an adult, I, I, because that whole relationship dynamic with my father, I feel like part of that is still there, even though he's mm -hmm. almost 80 and I'm 48. You, mm -hmm. I still want that thing that dad can't take away from me or, or anybody else in the world can take away from me. Like, and running to me and the competitions and just getting up when I don't want to get up and going out in the cold, like that's, that's my win for the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, even this morning when it's pouring down rain, I sure as hell did not want to get out of bed, but like, I know that, when I get out there, I've never felt worse after a run. And most days I don't want to do it. But like, I feel like it's something that, you know, I could lose my job, the house could blow up, my cars could blow all this other stuff around me could go wrong. But the running and the physical fitness is something that can't be taken away from me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, I do, I do. I do. And, you know, I, because I actually just read this other point that talks about um, certain labels that we put on ourselves. And I was like, running is, is just as important to me as it is to you. But I always think about the, the quote was something about like that, which brings us the most joy can also bring us the most pain. So like, it made me think about, well, what happens if I did lose running? And if I yeah. lost that ability, it actually, it could literally destroy me mm. in the same way that it gives me that crazy amount of joy. And the answer to it in this book was saying, that you should just kind of attach yourself to ideas that can exist all throughout life because at some point your health could fade. Yeah. And my, my dad ended up at certain point, he had, um, he had a valve replacement and had issues with his heart from, it was actually from a birth defect, but he had to have a valve replacement and he couldn't work out and he couldn't run and he uh. lost that running identity. And the book said like, really you should just attach yourself to kind of, values and ideas that can exist all through life so like compassion growth kindness yeah. like that growth is one of them where i'm always trying something new i'm always doing something different i can do that forever yeah and uh i don't know it's just like kind of keeping that in mind it's like i do identify a lot as a runner we do yeah. but it's like well what other you know things can i identify as that aren't just that one thing that can also yeah. bring joy and i don't know that was 
You know, the one sad thing that I've learned is that like when I was a kid, my dad, like dads in the 80s just looked like dads, like the stereotypical Mm -hmm. dad had the big beer gut. My dad, you know, ate a cheese pizza every night. It was a very, they had a very distinct look like every dad looked exactly the same. And so like dad bod, as much as what I'm learning about, like my son approaching his teenage years is that I think I'm kind of a cool dad, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of fit. Like I do, I do this stuff. I'm like out and about, I run trails. Like I just, you know, and I think I'm kind of funny, even though my wife would probably argue that I'm immature and not very funny, but like, I think I'm a cool dad. But what I've learned with him is that I'm just dad. And yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The, the whole six foot socially distanced thing during COVID for him now in public it's more like 25 feet that like Mm. tomorrow we have to go we're going to the honor roll assembly and i'm sure he will socially distance himself from both me and my wife by a good 20 feet well that's normal though right like it's totally normal yeah like yeah it's totally normal but there's that they get to that age where they actually like they're supposed to kind of like they want to break away from you and have their own identity and like their own set of friends and their own and they actually stop i guess because i even I mean, I must have done it. We must have both done this. You start looking to other people for role models mm. and you start looking to friends. And there's another famous quote. I, I say it all the time is you're an average of the five people you associate with most. Right. Mm. So whatever group he gets into, he's going to become like that, like little click. And, you know, he's going to pick up their hobbies, their types of music, their clothes that they wear. Like, you know, it's all very like kind of fluid with like, you know, just the crowd he goes with, you know, how he turns out and like, that's out of your control. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just a dad. Um, <laughs> so what's on the horizon for you? You know, I, 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 I was going to ask you, um, you know, uh, there's some, some big lotteries coming up. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, we you know, just tell saying. me, tell me what, tell me what's going on for the rest of the year. And then what do you have any, uh, well, races that you're setting your eyes on for next year or i just i just registered for the hotel for old dominion uh for this year so like i last year i got covid right before the race i wrote them said look i there's no way i can run it i, I don't feel in any condition and i you know I, i'm worried something could happen to me if i do it and they were said it's fine we'll roll it over to next year so uh old dominion is is on is 100 going down and then I, I think I limit it to 200 mile races a year. Uh, this is only recent, this new rule. And the other one is either going to uh, be, hopefully be Leadville. I, I found out that the gym I belong to, which is Lifetime Fitness, actually sponsors Leadville. And they end up giving, uh, they have a set, I guess, amount of tickets that they can give that to people for for Leadville. So I'm going to see if this actually works. I don't know if how, like I'm reading on their site. It seems like I fit all their criteria. So when the lottery opens up, it says I just register and I should get one of the tickets because I'm also a member of their gyms and I meet the criteria of having been a member for so many months. Yeah. So we'll see if that actually happens. So if that happens, I'll end up doing uh, Old Dominion and Leadville, which are two of the they're uh, pretty old uh, 100 mile races and pretty, pretty historic. And when is when is that? When's the lottery for uh, Leadville? Leadville opens tomorrow. I think general public um, for Leadville opens. I have it on my calendar. It is, I think it's tomorrow or. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure it's it's the first. Yeah, because tomorrow's the first. So 
I'll double check their site, but it should, it should be tomorrow for that. And then you got Western States. I think every year I throw my, my name in the hat and just to gather tickets, uh, to hopefully get pulled for that. I would, I would love to go to Western States. Um, but that's also, I think we were saying like, I've heard people that have waited 10, 12 years to, to get a ticket pulled, uh, for Western States. So that's a, that's a real wild card, but I, I would love to go there. I can see the year coming where, you know, both of us keep putting our hats in the ring and maybe I end up being 68 and you're 61 and we both <laughs> get in in the same year. And Oh my God, that'd be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. Uh, be very interesting. I think it's only 400 runners. I, th- I think Western States is capped at 400. I, I could be wrong with that, but that's no, so... I, I listened, there was a podcast I listened to this morning, another one. Um, and I, I listened to the same episode twice because it was about Western States and mm-hmm. with the lottery this weekend and everything coming up. I think it's actually 389. And I think that's what the national park, I think that's what the park, that's oh, what the wow. cap is for it. I think it's a weird number. It's like 389 or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a better chance of turning into a uh, a bird and flying around the neighborhood than getting into it. But like you and I talked before, at least we got our names in there. You so. know, you you had someone on your podcast because I, I went back, I listened to a few of them. They said that they were just going to go with their friend and go travel somewhere and just run their own. Like it was either Colorado or something like that. I was like, that mm-hmm. sounded like a great idea. Like instead yeah. of like going for a race, you just get like one or two of your friends yeah. find some area and just run sections of a course it'd probably be like way more laid back yes do whatever you want it'd be like <laughs> more fun because you're with your friends and then you're yeah. seeing new areas i don't know that that's, that kind of sounded like a good idea when i heard it yeah no absolutely so let's let me ask i always like to to end on kind of a um not that this whole thing hasn't been immensely fun but i end on a uh a fun a more fun note so your give me your favorite your go-to food at mile 20 of 100 and mile 80 of 100 hmm man a go-to <laughs> food uh oh my god those well for rim to river uh in the video the girl makes me an aid station pancake if you saw the video and it was a oh, no 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 i'm sorry it was an aid station taco and i was like aid station taco what's an aid station taco <laughs> she said it's a pancake with mashed potatoes and a piece of bacon in the center oh and i was like oh that's that sounds awesome oh. um so it would have to be aid station taco for mile 20 because it, or i think it was around mile 50 when i actually got that for late in the race oh god it's it's gonna be uh, a cup of coffee or now because i heard it on uh someone else talking about it it was caffeine pills <laughs> It's not, it's not food. It's, um, I, uh, I took a caffeine pill for the first time in Rim to River. You gave me one, by the way. Yes, I did. And (laughs) we were talking about them. I was like, um, I like to have coffee, but I can't guarantee that an aid station will have coffee. And I've had that happen in races before where I'm like, oh man, I need caffeine. And it came up and I heard someone else talking, um, actually the guy, I saw him post about it. The guy who's the oldest uh, the fastest 70 year old, um, ultra geezer, um, Gene Dykes. I don't know if you ever heard of him oh, no. based oh. out of Philly. Okay. He's done like 200 mile races. Oh my God. He's like, he held the record for fastest 70 year old for, uh, I think for a while, but, um, he was talking about how he got basically like 
a new life when he took a caffeine pill, like late in this race, he was in a hundred mile race. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I was like, why am I not bringing them? Like, then I'd only have to worry about getting the coffee. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So th- those would be my two things for sure for, uh, you know, what to have in a, in a race, if I could choose. The other thing that I, I, you might want to try is I discovered, um, and I had, them in one of my drop bags, they're, they're these little Keurig looking, um, cold brew concentrate uh yes things and i so remember it's a you thing. saying that yeah so you pop it off and you know you you put it in like you know a cup or your flask or whatever you add like 12 ounces of water you shake it up and you just chug it straight down the hatch and uh and then it just see i'm Ooh. one of those i think see you and i we need to share a coffee together at at, at some point because i one of those things it's it's interesting like and i'll, I'll throw the question your way if I had to pick between food for a day or coffee for a day, I would pick coffee because I can't really, yeah, because I can't function without it. I can probably do okay without food for a day, but I am a nasty SOB without my, you know, 4.30 a.m. two cup uh, of, of you know, dark roast. And then I have to have another one at two. And some nights I have it right before bed, but Damn. I can't function without it. So like, I, yeah, that's caffeine's critical. That caffeine affects me pretty bad. Like I can't have it. Um, I was just reading like a story about how like the half-life of coffee is like six hours. So six hours, yeah. like something like that, or is it six or 12 hours? But anyway, like basically half of it will still be, I think it's six hours. Half of it will still be in your system six hours later. Yeah. So you got to really be careful with like when you're having your last cup of that's affecting your sleep. But yeah. that's like one of those questions, like, would you take like if you could only choose between movies for the rest of your life, movies <laughs> or music, what would you choose? Like you can only have movies or you can only have music. What would you what would yeah, you give me up? personally? Yeah, yeah music I mean, a thousand percent. No, really. Question. So you, you can music. never watch. You can't watch any Star Wars movies. You can't watch any music. Music, okay. Music. You can't live without it. That's a separate podcast episode. Music for me, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I had, was asked that question. I was like, oh, it's music, hands down, because it's just like you can put it on in the background, and like yeah. I don't even watch that much TV. Like, yeah, yeah. So I th- maybe yeah. our whole crowd. I think our entire like the whole ultra ultra running scene would probably say music because we're yeah. out there so much, mm-hmm. we're listening to so much music. Who's gonna so. say movies? Yeah, when are you going to watch a movie during any of these things, you know? It's like, that's, yeah, that's I, right. I pick music all day. Um, but look, my friend, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. We're running up uh, at the edge of our hour sure. together. And um, yeah, I um, now selfishly, I'm looking forward to the next time I hit the trail with you. I don't know when that'll be, but I have to believe it'll be hopefully at least a couple times next year. And like I, I told you before, if you do get in a Leadville, I'm going to hate you, number one. Uh, number two... You know, if you if you like, I need a pacer. I need somebody. You know, you know where to reach me. That'd be crazy. I mean, I was looking up the logistics of it. You like, um, it's you fly into Denver, Colorado. You have to rent a car, drive two hours to Leadville, and then the little Leadville town's pretty interesting. Like, it looks pretty neat. Very like yeah. mountain activity based town, and yeah. So it looks like if it if it actually goes down, it it seems like it's going to be a really exciting adventure. So I'm I'm hoping it happens. Is your dad going to want that buckle? Uh, I don't know about that. Are you going <laughs> to give him that buckle? That's no, not that's important. It. I don't, I honestly, it's not about the buckles at this point because how many can you possibly wear? I know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but know. no, it's, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, 
it'd be it'd be just it's all about the story it's all about the adventure and that's what i'm i'm chasing you know well look man you're you're an inspiration to people listening to this you're an inspiration to guys who at the trail uh like myself that have bumped into you and uh sure. more importantly you're an inspiration to your children so um nice work good job and uh yeah this is a ton of fun so thanks for doing nice it. So, all right man all right my friend i will see you hopefully very very soon good luck at the lottery and sure. um you know let me know what happens sure we'll do all right bye all right see ya so there you have it mr patrick durant i hope you enjoyed that one as much as i did um a little update too um he did in fact get into leadville 100 so i'm very very uh pumped for him for that and uh also jealous but uh no i'm super super psyched and i did ask him i said you know uh does this mean your dad gets uh another buckle and his response was who really needs two buckles so <laughs> we'll see um, anyway, have a, uh, have a great remainder of the week, the month, and uh, I will see you back here very shortly. Until then, keep lacing up and keep inspiring 